Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. The previous occupier of this CITR time slot, I'm joined by Finding the Funny host, Nico McEwen. How's it going, Nico? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Did I say your surname right? I realize I've never said it uh, You did, actually. Loud. Yeah, McEwen. Well All done. right, cool. So uh, we met when I started sending you my early comedy interviews before this show was around for Discord Magazine, yeah. when you were host of Finding the Funny. Mm-hmm. What can you tell the listeners about that show? Um, I was really glad Finding the Funny all uh, started how it did. Um, I basically started it, I think, two years ago. Uh, I was at UBC, and I knew I had wanted to get involved with the radio station. So when I was signing up for the radio station, uh, there was like a, f- a form where you filled in what were your interests, and my main interests were sports and comedy. And uh, so I tried one of the sports broadcasting, and that was really cool. But I knew I wanted to create my own comedy show, and... They had a bunch of requirements for how to create a show, so I spent maybe like two, three weeks just creating the first episode. Um, but it was a ton of fun, and they, they liked it, so then I got to keep going with it and just talk about comedy every week. It was good. I remember you telling me you used to do stand-up in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to do stand-up also about three years ago. That is when I started. Um, a friend of mine had done stand-up comedy at a workout room called Kino Cafe. Um, they have stand-up every Tuesday night, and so I went up one night and... The owner's really nice, and uh, basically before the show, they're like, just so you know, this is a workout room, so you'll have some new comics, you'll have some comics trying out new stuff, and that was a really good way to, to start off uh, with stand-up, just because it took a lot of the pressure off, and um, I still I still try to go back to Kino every now and then, but I, I've taken a break from stand-up the past year or so, um, just while I'm continuing pursuing writing and, and other uh, arts, but um, I actually honestly might, after this, might be going to Yuck Yucks to try to do open mic. Tonight? <laughs> yeah, tonight. Oh, just because cool. I have some stuff that I've been wanting to try, and it's been a while, so figured I'm coming to talk about comedy. Maybe I should do some after. Well, I'm glad I could have uh, had a part in that. So you're also a sports announcer. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite sport to announce? Uh, definitely basketball. I've loved basketball basically my entire life. Uh, I first started announcing basketball at UBC about four years ago, and uh, now I'm the full-time uh, announcer. I get to do all the hype work as well as the in-game announcing. And that's been really cool. That actually led to uh, last year, I announced for the Toronto Raptors, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, It was their preseason game at UVic, sold out crowd. Uh, That was a very, very cool experience. So sports announcing has brought me a lot of very cool experiences. Got to announce a swim meet with some international Olympians. Uh, I got to announce uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps FC2. So no, it's been really good. This Saturday, so when you're listening to this, it will have been last Saturday. Uh, is the ACCW Ballroom Brawl. Uh, have you ever announced any wrestling? I have not announced any wrestling. It would be a ton of fun. I remember uh, watching wrestling a long, long time ago when I was a kid, but uh, I have not announced any, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's something that I've always wanted to do is uh, announcing a bit of wrestling. I don't know enough of the moves, but... um. <laughs> yeah, I guess the terminology, I wouldn't be able to keep up with that, but the excitement of it all, that would be fun. How much do you need to know about the sport to be able to announce it? Uh, that's a good question. This past year, I announced baseball for the first time. Uh, well, I don't know. It's tough because I was pretty fortunate. Growing up, I played pretty much every sport, so I had a bit of a background. So I've announced every sport there is at UBC, and I'd say it definitely helps to have a background knowledge, uh, especially because 
depending on which sport you're announcing, sometimes they'll get you to do other aspects of the job as well. Technically for hockey, no, is it hockey? Oh, shoot, which sport? There's one sport where you're actually technically partly, partially an official. Oh, that's for swimming. Swimming I didn't know anything about, and I've now announced uh, five swim meets. And that one is really tough because it's all very fast, and they really like it if you know their terminology. So that was a lot more research. So it definitely helps, definitely helps. So what do you talk about when you don't know about it? Um, do they expect you to be like like a like a horse racing announcer where they just for swimming yeah they i didn't realize what swimming was like for announcers but yeah they want you to speak fast say every name and then make it really really exciting so it's honestly been one of my favorite sports to announce as i've gotten to learn it but at the start it was it was quite stressful because i i would pretty much just say the same thing and now 25 meters left and now 15 meters left and now we have a winner and they're like say something else <laughs> so work for that all season like i mean all year uh, I've, there's basically, I think two or three big swim meets at UBC every year and I've been doing it for two years. So yeah, they don't really have consistent swim meets it's just kind of once every while. Um, so when you announce for the Toronto Raptors, is that, uh, leading to any other major league stuff? Fingers crossed. That'd be pretty cool. Um, it depends. I'm still trying to figure out, uh, how much further I want to go with announcing. I know I definitely want to continue it. Um, but as I'm pursuing acting and pursuing writing, I have to make sure I balance out, uh, the consistency of all my announcing work. So I already have my soccer season set up at UBC and I'll be graduating from UBC in December. Uh, so then I'll probably start taking a bit of a step back from all the UBC announcing that I do. And then that would lead to either I start pursuing major league sports and professional sports or if acting and writing are going certain ways then i might have some time off from announcing uh which of the three do you think you'd want to take off most of all uh definitely acting is, is my first uh love and first priority and then and then writing and announcing are, are pretty pretty tied in second there they've both given me a lot of very cool experiences and i definitely get a thrill out of both of them do you do mostly comedy writing uh, mostly, yeah. I, I, I think I'm actually a pretty good writer when it comes to drama. Definitely not a good writer when it comes to horror. Um, but yeah, most of my writing is comedy. Do you say that from experience that you're not good at writing horror? I, yeah, I, tr I've tried. I've tried writing horror. I've tried. I try every genre because I think it's a good thing to uh, test out. And definitely, comedy has been the one that I find the simplest. Horror is the one that, if I were to ever do a horror film, it would probably turn into a spoof. Let's just say that. Right. Because I just find it funny. So when you say writing, it's screenwriting? Screenwriting, yeah. Uh, film, television. Um, I've done, I've written maybe five short films in the past two years. Uh, none produced yet, but um, all very exciting. Uh, I wrote a play that went up on Granville Island. Uh, that was very cool. It was part of the Brave New Playwrights Festival. And that was a comedy. And uh, I've written a few TV pilots. That was more for, for school. Obviously, it'd be very cool if that got picked up at some point. Did that uh, play on Granville Island, has that performed yet? Yeah, it was amazing. That was back in, oh, I think it was March. I think March is when it, uh, the festival happened. Truly an absolutely amazing experience. So fortunate I got to be a part of it. Uh, only a select number of us uh, got chosen to be produced, and I got to be one of the ones that had the full production value. So we uh, we hired two actors, and we had a director, and um, they really they crushed it. The performance value was just so good. What can you tell me about the play? Uh, so it's a, it's a short play. Um, it started off, they gave us the kind of, 
requirements for the festival less props less people is the best um maybe do a fun costume so i started thinking with that and i thought well i think superheroes obviously have fun costumes so i started going that route and uh, i thought it'd be interesting to have a superhero on a, on a blank page like essentially their comic book had stopped being drawn and they were kind of in superhero purgatory and then that kind of started to escalate um it originally was two superheroes a man and a woman he was very uh stuck in the past and she was very progressive and it ended up being a couple just because that uh, was a bit stronger for the emotional appeal um, so he's been a superhero his whole life and she's been a superhero housewife and now they've stopped being drawn and that's when the play essentially starts is when the lights come up and they're like where are we this is just blank space and all of a sudden uh, she starts really enjoying the fact that she's not being written for and uh, this freedom starts to bring about different sides of her that uh, just show off how amazing she truly is. And so it kind of just progressed into a, a story about that. It was very cool. Uh, do you think you're going to go anywhere with that? Maybe turn it into a pilot or something? That I think, yeah, I have a feeling that'll probably stay with me just because I've gotten really strong feedback about that. And it's uh, it seems to be something that people are interested in right now in regards to the, the story and the comedic value of it all. So I've definitely... Definitely going to continue with that. I probably should have submitted it for the Fringe Festival this past year. Um, just uh, wasn't able to get it together, but it'll probably probably enter Fringe next year. And yeah, whether it turns into a film or a TV pilot, that'd be very cool, but not in the works necessarily right now. What's that called if people want to stay in the loop? Uh, it's The Blank Page. The Blank Page? Yeah, that's the title. So you've been appearing on screen since I read you were 10 months old. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like being a child actor? Um, it, honestly, this is such a good question because literally today I was just kind of analyzing, uh, my history as a child actor and, and how it affected me. It was, it's been, it's been amazing. I, I literally, yeah, I started in baby commercials, uh, in the past little while I've been trying to make, a uh, uh, demo reel, um, not necessarily demo reel, but just a collection of all my old, uh, tapes. Cause when I first started, it was literally VHS. So I have to now convert it, uh, over to movie format so I could have it on my computer. So that's been so weird watching those, but, uh. Definitely very good experiences, child acting. Um, obviously, a lot of rejection in the business, but I was fortunate to have a good support group. So when I was six, I started filming television and look, booked a series really early on. I got to film in five months in Victoria. Um, Terminal City? That was Terminal City, yeah. So that was the probably the, the longest thing I've ever done, and maybe the biggest, um, depending on how you gauge that. Um, and that was truly like such an eye-opening experience because it was a really, really deep, complex show, and I'm really glad I got to be a part of it. And uh, after that, it led to more and more work. And the writer actually told me, if you like acting, you got to do theater. So then I performed at Arts Club Theater for, for three winters after that. And that was an amazing experience. So just kind of crazy, all the things that uh, that snowballed in that time in my life. And it was really fortunate. Did it affect uh, like regular schooling and things? Um, I always laugh because uh, honestly... I was always ahead of the class because private tutoring on set is just so much more efficient because <laughs> it's one-on-one. -on -one. So we'd just be flying through coursework because um, when you're child acting, they, they make sure you have a certain numbers of hours per day that you're uh, with a tutor on set. So no, I never really fell behind, which is really cool. Um, yeah, no, honestly, I, I, I found tutoring really fun on set. I liked it. <laughs> uh, so I haven't seen Terminal City. Is that a Canadian thing? Uh, yeah, so it was on it was on Movie Central or, or HBO or something. I think it was Movie Central, um, and that was oh my gosh, probably thirteen years ago, no, twelve years ago. So yeah, it was produced here as Canadian show. Um, I think the writer even went to UBC. I think it ended up going overseas to Europe for a little while because when it didn't get picked up here, 
they they put it over there to see if it get picked up elsewhere but uh never ended up getting more than one season so i remember watching your episode of supernatural that you were on Mm-hmm. What's it like being part of a canon with such a devoted fan base? <laughs> that's so crazy. I it, that's the thing is it's been so long since I I did this work and I've been doing a lot of cool things since. But um, it's crazy when you're on something like like Supernatural, uh, just like the constant. Um, like I wouldn't say I'm a celebrity in any way, but I've definitely like received the messages from all the Supernatural fans, being like, "Oh my gosh, what's it like to know Jensen and Jared?" Which is very cool. I'm very fortunate. So. Uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. The amount of times I've I've just been meeting new people in whatever circumstance it is, and they've been like, if if acting comes up, I don't usually you don't usually bring it up right away, but if it comes up, and I mention Supernatural, I I've yet to find very many non Supernatural fans. There's a lot of people that love that show, so it's been very cool. Do you know what what are their names? Jensen and Jensen and Jared. Yeah, that was one thing that was so cool to me was I was on the show for the first time when I was eight or nine. And then after that, you can't really be on it again for a while because uh, continuity, you're one character. Um, But then I guess when that time period had gone over, uh, Jensen was directing, I think, I think it was his first or second episode that he was ever directing. And uh, he literally called called my agent because he remembered me, which I thought was absolutely amazing. And I booked the role. And I still can't believe that. I was like, wow, what what a good guy. That show is still going, isn't it? I think it is. I think it is. Probably like season 12 or something. I don't know. I, don't I, I really liked the first season of that show when it was more like a monster of the week sort of thing. Yeah, it definitely changed a lot, which I think happens probably organically, but it's pretty cool. It was definitely a different show in the first season. I had a feeling like the writers never wanted it to go on this long. <laughs> I don't know if anyone intended just this following long. The, it, following the money at this it point. It just kept going, yeah. Well, and that's the thing I think that's worked out so well is if they had kept the same format, I think people would have found it stale. Not not only mm. the fans, but actually the production team and the cast. But they even started doing some, like I think they brought in like some meta aspects where the characters are celebrities within the show or something like that. Or there are uh, monster hunters within the show. So it, it kind of became, they definitely adapted a lot more comedy later on which i think is really fun for the actors and they started expanding into these ways they did the they did a scooby-doo animated episode so as long as they keep it fresh i'm sure that the production team and the cast are going to want to keep going because it seems fun i remember they did that thing where they sort of both looked at the camera addressing all the people who ship the brothers together yeah yeah on tumblr tell me about your experience in night at the museum uh night at the museum was another really cool experience um i i only filmed i think two days on set um it was a, a smaller role as like ben stiller's son's character's friend that was actually another funny casting story i originally actually booked the, the character of ben stiller's son i was i think it was it was a few weeks before no probably i didn't get to wardrobe fitting phase but i had booked it i definitely booked it and then they ended up going with an american but they they just threw me in this other role because they knew they wanted me in so that was very cool too uh so that was i was just happy to be a part of it and doing that and um, it's crazy. I still run into the one of the actors I worked with every now and then. I'm like, wow, good to see you. And then obviously all the celebrities on set was a very new experience at the time. And that was very cool. So did you meet Ben Stiller? I will be completely honest on your show. I, I have told friends that I met Ben Stiller. I did not meet Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller was sick uh, the day that I was or the two days that I was filming. I think I think it was the director or somebody was doing his lines while I was doing my scene because obviously they just cut it and splice it back together after the fact when he is able to do that scene. So no, alas, I did not meet Ben Stiller. 
Oh, well, thanks for being candid. Yeah, yeah. I usually don't want to uh, say it because it, it would have been pretty cool. But um, I did get to meet Ricky Gervais, which is very cool, and see him. So super, super cool. He's a bigger deal in a lot of ways. I think he's well. amazing, like, especially for comedy purposes. I mean, Ben Stiller's done a lot for comedy, too, but Ricky Gervais is, is very, very cool. So, Well, like, uh, Ben Stiller was born into it anyway with yeah. Jerry Stiller yeah. and you know, Frank Costanza there. <laughs> we go back to announcing. Could you? I remember you did your uh, announcer voice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Around when we first met, it's uh, it's it's been really cool, and I'm actually starting to get into voice work because of it. Because uh, basically every time I'm announcing somebody, it's like, wow, what a voice. Um, and I'll do the bit of the backstory. I was shadowing the Vancouver Canes announcer, and this man naturally has the most amazing voice. So I asked him, like, for somebody with a bit more of a normal voice, like, what should I do when announcing? And he's like, oh, like, don't ever, don't ever do a fake voice. Um, so when I went to kind of do the audition for UBC's announcing role, I, I got nervous. And so this just kind of came out. She said, say blah, blah, blah. And this is what I said. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Thunderbird Stadium. And uh, <laughs> now that's my announcing voice. <laughs> so do you have to do that all the time? All the time. <laughs> and people meet you afterwards and get a bit surprised? And then they're like, what's wrong with your voice? No, um, I only do that, and I've toned it down a lot. I only do that for in-game announcing. Uh, so a lot of the work that I also do is the hype stuff. So that's like the crowd engagement uh, on the court with a wireless mic. And for that, I, I do more of a, a regular voice just because that would be a lot to have to improvise everything while doing my character voice. Whereas... Uh, Within game announcing, it's a little bit more controlled, so I just I just stick with it. So you say you're getting into doing some voice work as well? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that uh, keeps taking off. I'm working on a voiceover demo reel. Uh, I've done a few voiceover auditions, which is really cool. I uh, got to do a role where I was pretending to be British. That was a really fun audition. I've always like really, really loved animation, like watching and just like the whole production aspect of it. So I think it'd be very cool to start doing voiceover work. So fingers crossed that kind of takes off. It was really funny. The first time I announced soccer at UBC, that was the first uh, professional announcing I did. And my mom came to pick me up and I got in the car and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what? She's like, I heard there was some man doing the announcing. They didn't want you to do it. What happened? I was like, mom, that was me. <laughs> that's my voice. <laughs> she's like, that's not your voice. I'm like, that's my announcing voice. Have you ever done like a third voice? announcing like um, a halloween spectacular voice or something no no i'm trying to think if i've done because i do uh with like comedy and whatnot i do different characters um whether it be like improv or 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 just for fun with friends so i have one character who's like wacky willy a radio guy and um i'm trying to think if i've ever used him in announcing maybe once or twice but no not really so it's sort of like a morning zoo kind of yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, <laughs> hey there, everybody. You're listening to Wacky Willy coming to you live from the music show with the radio guy. That's great. You should consider, I, I think, maybe doing a CITR show as that guy. I honestly did. I really did. So, okay, so that character first came, I was in high school. Um, and I was I was trying out, or yeah, all of us had to try out for the morning announcements. And uh, I decided to make five different characters for my morning announcements. I had Wacky Willie, I had like British Tom, um, I had Joe Schmo. And so I made this poster of, of all these things and in the in the audition, I did all these voices and I got elected to be our, our school's communications director. So that was very cool. And everyone's like, are you gonna stick with it? And uh, that's every morning, the most boring announcements. So I did not end up sticking with it for that point. But uh, the characters have definitely stuck with me. Well, you know, I'm going to ask you to do the other characters now, right? Um, honestly, I don't. I don't really remember them. Joe Schmo was was my regular voice. He was like the, I guess, main host. Uh, and then British Tom was just, I think, 
Uh, he talked about sports. Oh, my gosh. I haven't done British time in a while. Hello there, everybody. We're coming to you live from the McGee Secondary Soccer School. And, I, uh, yeah, I kind of I go kind in of and out. BBC of BBC foreign correspondent. Yeah, exactly. One of those kinds of things. So Like live from Baghdad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> BBC Radio 1. <laughs> so... Do you do any celebrity impressions? Um, huh, I I think I do. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I've tried I've tried to do uh, a bunch of them just because I think it's a fun thing to try. I think anyone interested in comedy, if you're listening to this, definitely try doing impressions because it's just it's super funny to try. I don't think everyone can do them, and I hope that I'm about to do one right now and it'll be good. Um, so I've done Barack, which is like, um, uh, let me be clear. My fellow Americans. Um, so that one is like, okay, I don't quite have his depth. Um, I like to do Christopher Walken just because of like the... Um, you know, you come in and you do what you do. I don't know what to say. And so I kind of I kind of like to do that one. Yeah, no. I definitely do more. I remember I did a... When Paul McCartney, part of the Beatles, very happy to be here. Um, I did one of that one for a while. In one of my auditions, actually, they were basically just like, just belt out a bunch of impressions. So I, I think I did like 10 for that audition. That was pretty cool. Honestly, I don't remember a lot of them off the top of my head. I wanted, for the longest time, I wanted to do a Justin Bieber impression because it would be super like relevant. And I thought it was like a good way to like do like a first like YouTube uh, impression video. But I just can't do it. It's so difficult. I can't do it. I don't know. Kate McKinnon on SNL does such an amazing job. Um, I haven't seen that one. She's so good. She's, uh, what a talented person. I've seen Kate McKinnon, just not the, not the Justin Bieber, Bieber impression. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen Nassim Pedrad's Aziz Ansari impression? No, does it's, she do a good Aziz? Yeah, it's like spot on. Oh, that's so funny. Um, I hadn't seen Nassim since she was on SNL, and then uh, she came back. Uh, they did a spoof of that uh, Wild Wild Country Netflix documentary, and she was on SNL again. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, but I don't even know what she's been up to, but uh, I guess she's doing impressions of Aziz, right? Talia actually does a pretty good bug one. Yeah? Are you going to do it? Okay, should I cut out that I said that? <laughs> bug one's just sitting in silence. <laughs> you do it all the time. Just saying the <laughs> That is, a, that is a good impression. Honestly, that is good. Have you watched that one, The Wild Wild Country? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've seen two episodes now. Honestly, I was shocked. I thought, I really thought I'd be annoyed with it, but they do they do a pretty good job of making it interesting. There's some twists and turns. Yeah. Really. Like, wow, that production team really like they they executed that really well because it's it's an enticing show. I'm like, it's just crazy. Like you can't believe that was all real and like. Yeah, like, like you said, they surprise you with certain things. You're like, oh, what? So. Yeah, when you learn more about the bug one later, I think you should stick with it. Stick with it? Get to the end Okay. as well. I've never met someone that can do a Homer Simpson impression. Oh, no, I've never tried. I've, I should try Simpsons impressions just because Hank Azaria is, I think, such He's an amazing... So yeah, such a good voice actor. Ah, uh, no, I, I, I didn't really watch The Simpsons growing up. All, in all honesty, um, I don't know how I missed that because I'm definitely within the timeline that I should be a big fan, but... Uh, no, I never, never really. I think if I'd watched it, maybe I would have started practicing Homer more. I know that Homer goes like, don't, or whatever. But yeah. I can't, can't it's really so do. hard to do, though. It's one of those things. It's like, it's very rare that someone can do a non exasperated Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, no. You can't do like a particularly accurate. You have to do like the, the styled version. Fallon can do it. He can. And even when uh, Fallon and Seinfeld, the last time I saw them together, he Jimmy said that. Uh, the first time they did it, 
Jerry actually made his voice closer to, to to what Jimmy does, but Jimmy's already like quite accurate with his Seinfeld impression, so it's pretty pretty impressive. And is uh, Neil Young as well? Have you seen when he does Neil Young singing um, Fresh Prince theme song? It's so good. Oh my gosh, I'm a, I'm a big Jimmy Fallon fan. Uh, I just think it's so cool that he he started like kind of doing stand up, but his stand up was actually just doing impressions, and then that that led to like him winning an impression contest, and then before you know it, he's on SNL just belting out impressions so and he loves to do musical impressions that's something i definitely i think would be very cool if i can learn to do that at some point uh i, I can kind of play bass guitar but no i'm definitely definitely not in the wheelhouse of of musical impressions yet maybe you could just do like a karaoke back and track sort of thing yeah yeah i've tried musical impressions um because i'm a huge eminem fan and i tried to do an eminem impression because uh, who was it oh there was an snl alum that did an eminem impression was it Taryn Killam? Um, might have been him, but uh, no, musical impressions just don't seem to be something I can do. Maybe I maybe it's because I don't have any rhythm. I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'll get there. But what are you going to be doing at uh at your open mic tonight? Uh, so honestly, just because yeah, like I said, it's been so long. Um, and the only reason why the joke, like the first joke I ever told in stand up, it's like still the one. Anytime somebody says, "Tell me a joke," I I do this joke and. I don't know. I just can't believe how consistently it gets a laugh. So I'm going to do that again tonight just because I think it's a good way to ease back into it and play it safe as opposed to trying something new. But uh, hopefully if tonight goes as according to plan, then I'll, I'll start doing it again more. I'm here for the rest of the summer, so I definitely have some time that I can uh, start getting back into stand-up. Where are you heading to after the summer? Uh, well, no, after the summer, I'll just be back in school at UBC in the creative writing program. Um, the announcing seasons all start, so I'll still be trying to get stuff done then, but it's a, it's a busy time, September to December. Do you ever do any improv? Yeah, yeah, I love improv. I should be doing a lot more considering how much I love it. Um, I, w- I was big in impo- improv in high school, done a bit of, bit of improv at UBC, but not really. I definitely want to get back into it, though. I actually... I emailed uh, Vancouver Theatre Sports. I was like, oh, I just missed your deadline to, to do your summer course. Is there any way? And they're like, no, like we're already full. And I was like, damn it. So I might do Vancouver Theatre Sports classes some, at some time this fall. I think the uh, Blind Tiger classes are currently open. Are they open? Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I should do that. Either that or the, or the October season. They either just started or they're about to start okay. Blind Tiger. And then there's Instant Theatre as well. On, yeah. Uh, we have a fair amount of Blind Tiger people on this show. Oh, yeah? As well. It's pretty much the Blind Tiger show. <laughs> well, maybe I'll uh, end up at Blind Tiger, and then that's another one for the books. For anyone on CITR, thanks so much for tuning in. That's the end of our time slot, but you can hear the full episode along with other podcasts on cavegoblins.com. For anyone else, stick around. We've still got lots more to talk about with Nico. Now, I just want to do a little plug for Everything Economics on the Cave Goblin Network. Talia Murdoch hosts this informative and engaging podcast on, you guessed it, Everything Economics, in a relatable and easy-to-digest way. That's Everything Economics on cavegoblins.com. But back to the show. Do, did you have a sign-off that you usually did on Finding the Funny? Um, on Finding the Funny, I said, and as always, keep on laughing. Um, just because I really do, I, I, I genuinely think laughter is such an amazing thing. So I was like, that's, that's how I want to end it, just telling people to, to make sure they're always trying to find a way to laugh. Even in, in the hardest of times, if, uh, if a laugh can come about, then... I think that's a, a really good thing in life. And 
because when I when I did my high school announcements, I'm still frustrated about this. In the audition, I ended it with Stay Classy McGee, which is, of course, Anchorman Wrong Burgundy. And uh, I really just did that because I thought it'd be funny for the audition. And I, there was a lot of pressure to keep that up for the entire school year. So I, I did. I did that every morning announcement. Stay Classy McGee. Stay Classy. Stay Classy. Um, and I love Stay Classy. I think it's also a very nice thing. And I think I, I'm a huge Anchorman fan and Will Ferrell fan. But uh, I definitely want to try to have my own thing. And uh, as far as I know, I, I I don't know anybody that ends with keep on laughing. So I'm I've been dig- I've been digging that. Well, uh, that's kind of apropos because before the show, I asked Nico about a comedic influence to talk about today, and you came back with Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what does Will Ferrell mean to you? That's actually funny. That was a very good uh, transition. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, no, I uh, Will Ferrell is definitely a huge inspiration for me. Um, just th- his actual career path, I find very fascinating. Um. I got to spend a summer at the University of Southern California back in high school. Very, very cool experience. And uh, soon after that, I found out that Will Ferrell actually did a, I believe, sports broadcasting or sports journalism degree from USC for his undergraduate. Um, and of course, I love sports. Uh, now I love U- USC because of that. And um, and I love comedy. And after that, I still don't exactly know what happened after that to get him on SNL. But uh, he got on Saturday Night Live, of course. And one of the greatest cast members of all time and then from there he went on to create a comedy empire in funny or die um and write all these like huge uh blockbuster comedies uh, not only write in uh, but star in them uh and of course he has his, his partner in adam mckay and i just think it's very cool that they've kind of created the the duo that they have and yeah i think just overall will ferrell's comedy trajectory has been really fascinating to me just because he definitely, you can tell he's a, a motivated person and he, he has big comedy aspirations, so. What was the first thing you ever noticed him in? Uh, well, the first thing, that's, I, I guess that depends how well my memory serves me. Because, of course, I remember, like, Talladega Nights and Step Brothers and even Stranger Than Fiction, which he actually acted in very well. So that was kind of a cool side of him. Um, I was watching SNL from a very young age, so uh, even though I think he was... He was off the show by the time that I was watching consistently. And there was still reruns and whatnot. And I, uh, of course, own the Best of Will Ferrell DVD on SNL. So I watched that a lot. Um, I still think More Cowbell is one of the funniest skits of all time. And that's what inspired me to do the Christopher Walken impression and to work on that one. Um, so, yeah, whether it be his movies or Saturday Night Live, I'm not sure exactly. But uh, he's definitely been somebody I've watched for a long time. You mentioned uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Do you think that that was maybe part of the inspiration for Blank Page? Um, oh, that's interesting. Um, huh, I haven't thought about that. No, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it was a conscious decision. Maybe un- subconsciously, but uh, no, not not directly. I just I thought Stranger Than Fiction was very cool because, um, like, along with Will Ferrell, like Robin Williams is another as- inspiration of mine, and that's because as well as I love comedy, I really love acting. Um, and Robin Williams is such, was such an amazing actor, and I, I didn't know necessarily how great of a of a drama, dramatic actor Will Ferrell was. I think if you're a good comedy actor, that still makes you a good actor. Um, but in regards to his range, Stranger Than Fiction, I was like, wow, that dude, that dude's got some some abilities that I didn't know about. So I thought that was very cool, very fascinating. We even uh, played Tony in a off Broadway version of. I say off Broadway. It might have been on Broadway version of West Side Story. Will Ferrell did? Yeah. No so the, way. The leading male singing role. That was like after SNL or pre-SNL? Way after. That was okay. Which is weird because Tony's supposed to be what, like seven. He's young, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Will Ferrell already got into comedy at a bit of an older age, so that's really funny. 
I've got a bit of uh, his. Well, I might, might might say first. My first impression of him uh, was probably in this vastly underrated film called Superstar. Have you seen that one? Superstar Molly Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does such a good job. I haven't seen that since I first saw it. Does it stand the test of time? Um, honestly, probably not. In regards to, it definitely stands the test of time. You're gonna get a laugh out of it, but there's enough aspects of it. The last time I watched it, that I was like. Uh, I wish this like I think I think this could have could have been stronger in certain ways. So no, for me it didn't serve the test of time just because films that do that for me like I can fully watch nonstop whenever. And Superstar, I'd say I have to be in the mood for now. At the time, like when it first came out and when I was younger, like funniest thing, so good. But yeah, I think I saw it when I was like twelve or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think his career really exploded after Anchorman, at least in my circle of friends. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I still can't believe it took them so long to do the second one, but it's so good. And the second one's actually just as good. It's so good. They did a great job. Um, I think I think Will Ferrell has a very smart comedy mind. I think he understands the the basics for what you need to to just make people laugh in 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 a film. Um. So so yeah, I wasn't too concerned about it. Uh, they did they did a lot more of the uh, uh, cameos and whatnot in the second one, which is always a, a fun thing. But um, I think the first one was better, but no, the second one was definitely very good too. So such good films. I well, was expecting it to be uh, trash fire, sort of like Zoolander 2. Exactly, yeah. No, I really thought, hey, I, hey, Zoolander 2. Yeah, okay. <laughs> As a comparison, <laughs> yeah. Zoolander 1 is so much better than Zoolander 2, but Anchorman 1 and 2 are like, one out of ten difference, I think. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Zoolander, wow, that the first one was such an amazing film, and Anchorman was such an amazing film too. So I don't know why Zoolander two couldn't couldn't really hold its own because, like you said, yeah, Anchorman two at least held its own with it with the original or the with the first one. So that's a good point, actually. Of course, Will Ferrell was still in it, so so good. But um, well, I think that's the first time I he really came onto my radar. Like I first saw him in Superstar, but. I first started noticing him and looking into his career as Jacobin Magatu because it was just, <laughs> he's the best character in that movie. He really is. He makes the movie. Anytime, uh, uh, spoiler if anyone hasn't seen Zoolander, anytime the villain is the best character in a movie, that, that's how you know that that actor crushed it. If you haven't seen Zoolander when you're listening uh, to this, that's on you. Yeah, that's unbelievable if you haven't. That's just unbelievable. Uh, so I've I've taken some notes off Wikipedia here in case anyone's too lazy, but um, <laughs> he said the dullness of living in ur- urban... Um, uh, contributed to the growth of his humor. He, so he grew up in suburbia in a safe, master-planned urban. There was no drama, so we had to create it in our heads. Yeah, and it's like what you were talking about. So in his senior year of high school, Farrell and a friend would perform comedy skits over the school's intercom system <laughs> with cooperation from the principal. The two had to write their own material. Farrell also performed comedic skits in the school talent shows. He won the Best Personality Superlative, voted by his classmates. And then he enrolled at the University of Southern California, where he studied sports broadcasting, as he said. And uh, he joined the Delta Tau Delta fraternity, which made me think of his role as Frank the Tank. Oh, yeah, school. yeah. And he actually did get done for streaking as well. Oh, really? So I imagine he's oh, just wow. like reliving a bit of his glory. Yeah, he's there. just putting that in his work now. <laughs> but then, yeah, he went on into uh, broadcasting afterwards and did not enjoy it. And then he took up a job as a hotel valet, where on his second day, he tore a baggage rack off the top of a van by trying to drive it under a low-lying beam. (laughs) He also worked as a tailor at Wells Fargo, but came up short $300 on the first day and $280 the second. Oh, wow. He wasn't stealing money, but was just careless and error-prone. In 1991, he was encouraged by his mother to pursue something he liked, so he moved to Los Angeles, 
where he successfully auditioned for the comedy group The Groundlings. Ah, uh, Groundlings. Yeah, yeah, okay. I should have mentioned that because Groundlings, uh, UCB, Second City, those are institutions that I really want to be a part of one day. Um, of course, I haven't really had the uh, opportunity in Vancouver. Um, maybe I'll end up in Toronto because I know that they, I think they have Second City there at least and maybe Groundlings. But yeah, that was another thing. I remember that Will Ferrell had done that and I, I looked into all, all the amazing people that have done uh, those comedy institutions. And even <laughs> when uh, I I went to a taping of... Um, Late uh, late night with Stephen Colbert or late show with Stephen Colbert, and he did audience questions, and I was like, how do I, how do I kind of uh, get into? I think he I think he did Second City. I said, how do I get into Second City? He's like, do you do improv? I'm like, yes, I do. And he's like, are you from Chicago? And I was like, no. He's like, go to Chicago. I was like, noted. All right. <laughs> there is a Second City in Toronto. Isn't there it? is, right? Okay. Yeah. So. Well, I, I think. I think there is. Yeah. There's also uh, the Sunday service here, which is a similar kind of quality. I think. Definitely, and it's definitely growing. Definitely the same idea. Um, Quality is probably the same. Reputation, not not quite at the level yet. But that's something I've started learning more and more. Is because I kind of looked at these really recognized, amazing alum uh, institutions across the United States. Um, but we do we have a lot of good stuff in Vancouver too. So definitely have to keep uh, keep trying to help grow our community. Well, it's the right time to be in comedy in Vancouver with everything growing at this time it's yeah like, it's like getting in on the second floor no 100 percent. no i definitely think well even i think i think yuck yucks is now filming uh netflix specials or something like that or they're they're filming they're starting to get involved with the the filming of stand-up so that'll be very cool no definitely good so time maybe an there. open mic at yuck yuck yucks will lead to something bigger tonight exactly yeah that's uh that's the plan <laughs> so uh, after this he went on to snl and uh, in my opinion, it was one of the funniest audition tapes I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, so amazing. I still, yeah. And I'll post a link to that on our, on our website. Have you seen the stuff that he looks exactly like uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, uh, they, did like a, oh, they did like a drum off on like one of the late night shows or something. I thought that was really funny. They did a thing once where they, they either pre-recorded or had Chad playing backstage. And Will Ferrell came out and did the whole show and no one noticed. A whole show? Maybe I maybe I'm exaggerating, but but uh, still enough that wow enough like it was and it was so at a festival funny. and and, and nobody, nobody noticed, noticed it was him because they they're identical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and look crazy. look that up if you haven't seen it. Chad Smith, Will Ferrell. <laughs> he played in the in Major League Baseball, uh, for a while. Will as Ferrell. Part of, yeah, as yeah. part of a funny or die sketch. Part of a sketch, which again, this is another one of the things that makes him uh, inspire me because the dude just like. He, he does things that he, he wants to do and he thinks are funny and he, he makes them so funny. Like I mentioned, sports are such a big part of my life. So when I saw, uh, oh shoot, what's that movie where he, uh, he does the basketball? Um, he's in like the pineapple, the the tropic, the tropics, uh, Flint tropics is the name of the team. Why can't yeah. I remember the movie? Why am I Semi-pro. Thinking? Semi-pro, that's right. Um, and uh, with Andre 3000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was so funny and he gets to play basketball, like kind of, like not really, but like it's like a pretend He actually fought that bear in that movie. Did he really fight We didn't bear? fight the bear, but the but, bear like, was, was real the bear. and it was there and there was real fear as um, well. And then, and then, yeah, now he did this with the Major League Baseball, like I think it was Summer League and he, he literally, literally played baseball. Like how cool is that? So the dude's just such an inspiration. <laughs> And you mentioned the comedy empire with Adam McKay when they made Funny or Die in 2007, which yeah. is, uh, if you don't know, a streaming website where short comedy films are uploaded and voted on by users. Um, the site provided a platform for creators during the 07-08 writer's strike, which was a big part of its success yeah. as well. I think it, in a lot of ways, Funny or Die was a turning point for comedy 
bringing a lot of homegrown comedy onto the internet as well because it was it was before YouTube comedians. Well, that's the thing. Well. Yeah, it was huge for internet comedy, a hundred percent. It brought it into the mainstream as well because there was no mainstream comedy coming out at that time because mm-hmm. of the writer strike. So oh, true. The only place you could you could really go to observe new comedy was funny or, die. or practice it was funny or die. Yeah. Um, no, that was one thing I think was really cool because yeah, even the the comedy that was on YouTube kind of early in YouTube's days, um, if I recall correctly, a lot of it wasn't really necessarily like like produced written comedy. It was just kind of stuff that was funny that was thrown on YouTube because YouTube was just kind of people putting videos up and whatnot, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Funny or Die, these are like people that like, they work hard at comedy. This is their life. They're, they're writers, they're comedians. And, and of course, I'm sure Funny or Die now has like the the less professionals submitting stuff as well. But um, when it first started, like you said, it was a huge opportunity for all these people that had been doing comedy for so long to finally be noticed by the masses. So... I thought it was interesting as well around around that time period. Will Ferrell was getting a lot of flack for people saying he was a one-trick pony playing the sort of man-baby thing. <laughs> and in response to it, they made Step Brothers, where he literally just oh, played a man-child. Man, and it's yeah. one of his best. It's one of the best. It's one of the biggest, too. I, like I saw it twice in theaters. This is the thing. is like I, I met somebody, and they're like, oh, I, I can't do Will Ferrell. It's so annoying. I, I don't get it just because, at least in my perspective and my understanding of comedy the stuff he's doing is just so innately funny to like the human like experience. Like, I don't know. I find it hard not to, not to find what he does funny just cause it's so like, it's so straightforward, pure comedy. The stuff he does is just, is very funny. It's hard to find a way around it to not laugh at certain things he does. And especially- I think it'd be, even if you didn't understand the words he was saying, he's a funny guy. It's like Jim Carrey. Like he's funny to look at. Yeah. He's yeah. Funny. And I, I think that really comes comes to play in have you seen casa de mi padre no i don't know if i've seen that one uh so he was in this completely spanish film like <laughs> maybe five or six years ago called casa uh, de mi padre the house of my father okay. and even he wasn't even top build in that movie so it said and introducing oh. will ferrell <laughs> and i don't even know if the spanish in it is real and there are subtitles, but it, it's a it's a fucking riot. It's Super so funny. funny. You should look it up. I'll look and it he's up. speaking Spanish for the whole movie because he's bilingual. Yeah, as yeah. well. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure some points they're just saying random Spanish words and <laughs> just doing subtitles. But <laughs> that's really funny. No, I would love to check that out. It's got like a real Three Amigos kind of vibe. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Is like like you said, he's just he's a funny personality. His his style. The fact that like one of my favorite characters of his was uh on snl was like the very serious uh like dad and they're having a family dinner and um it's like quiet and um he'll try to tell a story and his like wife will interrupt him and he'll get so aggravated and like obviously there's so many ways that that could just like either come across boring um or or even truly aggressive in 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 any way but that man makes it so funny when he freaks out at his family and his like facial expressions when he's being really tense as well yeah 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 yeah. the clanging of the yeah. The nice. It's like that scene in Breaking Bad where um, uh, Walt and Skyler are having the really tense dinner and Jesse's there. Yeah, and it's super funny because of the tensity and then, of course, the, the commitment by the actors. So, so uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, right now, i um, been doing a lot of article writing, actually, which has been really cool. Um, for just, Discorder? Uh, not as much for Discorder, just for like a, a variety of publications. kind of started article writing just because... One of the classes I did, uh, we posted a blog on 19questions.com, and I had a lot of fun doing that interview. So just recently, I found out 
surprise to anyone who doesn't know, but BuzzFeed has a community forum where pretty much anybody can post articles that they've written. So I started posting there, uh, posted on Medium. Um, so that's been really cool. Just kind of seeing uh, the responses from from articles that I'm writing. So, so that's been really fun. Um, that's kind of the most immediate thing that I'm up to. Hoping, hoping to get back into comedy a little bit more uh, this coming school year, just because, like I said, I graduate in December. So this summer has been a lot of uh, reflection and analyzing kind of how I'm going to go forward uh, with my performance career post-studies. So that's been kind of really exciting, but also very stressful, just trying to figure out. It sounds like I'll probably end up being in Vancouver uh, as I keep acting, just because I have such a good community here right now um, for film and television and then at long that time I'll still be submitting scripts and uh and doing odd odd writing and whatnot and performance so and then of course I'll probably still be doing announcing in some way so right now it's just kind of figuring out how I can balance everything like like you asked earlier what exactly my priorities are so I can make sure I I'm getting the most out of my time and yeah just one more semester of university and then I'm then I'm done with my bachelor's free. yeah <laughs> where can people find your articles uh, well, yeah, so the, the publications that I mentioned, um, then I've, I also wrote, uh, so they just searched Nico McEwen on, I don't know if they'll come up necessarily that just cause they're not that kind of grown then. And I haven't done any like particular Google advertiser or anything like that, but on medium, yeah, medium, they'll see it if they put my name in. Um, and, uh, I even wrote for my, the agency that I'm with as an actor, they, they have a voices in the arts blog. So I've, I've done some blogs on that. I actually did a blog about UBC's creative writing program which is really fun to write. Um, so, yeah. That's VA agency? Yeah, the, the company's uh, VA management. VA management or VA entertainment. I think if you type either into the internet, uh, it'll come up as one of the first ones. Um, so, yeah, you'll see me on their roster. You'll see my my actor page. And then if you go to Voice in the Arts, you'll, you'll see the blogs. Is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap up? Ooh, anything else I want to plug? Um, not that I can think of. Uh, definitely glad to do a shout out for uh for va i've been very fortunate to be a part of the uh the agency for as long as i have and they literally just expanded uh the past two months they expanded a lot so if there's actors looking for representation contact va because they're they're very good i could definitely try to keep plugging uh the blank page because i'm definitely going to be trying to reach out to more and more production teams to see if i can uh continue growing that casting directors i'm auditioning lots and i'm actually starting just for some side money, I'm hoping to uh, to do some reading uh, for any casting directors that are out there. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming, Nico. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, uh, a pleasure. I was really glad I got to meet you that day at CITR and that uh, things have escalated how they have and that uh, Finding the Funny is still alive and well and that you're going to do what you do and well, it's all this amazing stuff. was definitely a for this show, so thank you for that as well. Cool, cool, good. Happy to hear it. So that was Nico McEwen talking about Will Ferrell. Join me next week when I talk to S.A. Atawa about Bernie Mac. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Cave Goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com. We've got a Reddit community and a Discord server you can find through our website, so hop on over there. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. See you next time. <laughs>